Well, as always, thank you so much to all of those who helped put our worship service together for Brandon Bull, who was our liturgist this morning, um, for our Wesley Choir and Praise Team, who always lead our music, um, and for Gary Brubaker, Brubaker, who puts all of our music together so wonderfully for us. Thank you so much to all who have helped to participate. So we close this, um, this series, Ordinary Miracles, out talking about those ways that we interact with God and, and the things of God that are, that are miraculous and maybe not the miraculous like we think of from, from places in Scripture like the, the crossing of the Red Sea or plagues or things like that, but those ordinary miracles like how the grass grows or how life itself is such a miracle ordinary things, because God uses ordinary things for extraordinary purposes, like water, bread, and this morning, we talk about mud. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Just a note that next week during our in-person worship service, um, we will have a guest preacher. Um, uh, Reverend Darnether Murph-Heath um, is a retired United Methodist elder, a former uh, Elgin District Superintendent, um, and she'll be coming to preach on World Communion during our in-person service. Um, during our online service, I'll be preaching, um, but you're welcome to join us in person or online um, as we worship together celebrating World Communion. So let's talk about mud. Now mud can be kind of polarizing. Um, some people love mud and some people don't. Maybe when you were younger, you got in trouble playing with mud as a, as a kid or getting too muddy. Did you splash in mud puddles? Or maybe, um, or maybe you built mud, built, made mud pies. Um, I think that we have this kind of love-hate relationship with mud. Um, on the one hand, mud is dirty, dirt and dirty. Um, for some people, that's gross or messy, and messy is not good. Um, but on the other hand, we also need it, right? Because we need to have mud or soil or dirt for, for things to grow. Um, we need good soil, good mud, good dirt for our, our food to grow, um, and I think about some of those, um, I don't know, uh, like when you got hurt, did you ever hear someone say, oh, just rub some dirt on it? You know, like just brush it off, just get it dirty. Um, or um, like if you dropped something on the floor, there's the five second rule, because after like five seconds, then apparently germs come. That's not how it works, I don't think, but science can fact check me on that. Um, but maybe like, again, you drop something on the floor um, and you pick it up and eat it anyway because a little dirt won't hurt, right? Have you ever heard those things before? Or maybe you've said those things before. Um, I eat dirt and dirt don't hurt. Is that just something that's so, anyway. Um, so I think we have this kind of weird relationship with dirt and with mud that sometimes we love it and sometimes we don't. I've actually discovered that there is a lot of healing properties of mud. Um, you know, maybe you've heard of people taking mud baths or having mud treatments, um, and there's a lot of healing properties of mud. Mud usually contains some really good minerals for our, our skin, for our body, um, for, for what we need, things like um, zinc um, or sulfur or bromine or magnesium, some of those things that 
are just really helpful for us. So mud uh, tends to draw impurities out of the skin. Um, it helps to exfoliate some of those dead skin cells. Um, it can relax sore muscles and joints. It can improve skin conditions like eczema and psoriasis. Um, it can also uh, relieve some pain from rheumatoid arth arthritis. So maybe you yourself have had some mud baths or mud packs or some mud therapy, or maybe you thought, I'm not doing that, totally fair. Now, I um, probably wouldn't say that these would be replacements for prescriptions that you might have. Um, and this is not medical advice. You should talk to your doctor for medical advice, um, but these could also be a good addition to your health routine. Again, talking to your doctor. Um, but there's these healing properties of mud. And even in our scripture today, mud um, cured or helped this blindness. So our story um, about the man born blind is filled with a lot of boldness. There are some really bold claims that come in here that maybe we, um, we might miss or we feel like we've known this story, have heard this story, or versions of this story um, that we have nothing more to learn from it. But I think there's some things that are really bold and really interesting. So Jesus encounters, uh, Jesus and his disciples encounter this man uh, born blind from birth. And after some conversation with people about his condition, uh, Jesus makes this bold statement about himself. He tells his disciples, I am the light of the world. Even more than just that statement, which is pretty bold enough itself, the way Jesus says that, I am the light of the world. In this very short sentence, Jesus refers to himself the same way that God did by saying the words, I am. Um, when Moses approached the burning bush and asked the burning bush, which was God, um, who should I say sent me? What's your name? And God said, Yahweh, I, which means I am, I was, I will be. Um, so it's kind of this past, present, and future, but I am. And so um, Jesus makes this bold statement by saying, I am the light of the world. So then Jesus spits in the ground and makes mud. Side note, one time I preached on this story and I talked about Jesus spitting in the ground and making mud. And I off the cuff um, was like, I don't know what spitting um, rituals were like in Jesus' day. And I had one of our teens sitting in like the front row, which never happens, um, and looked at me and went, maybe you should Google that. Maybe I should, I still haven't. Um, but anyway, Jesus spits on the ground um, and makes mud in the dirt. And then he takes that mud and he puts it on the man's eyes and says to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, this man, born blind from birth, could have ignored Jesus, but instead did what Jesus told him to do and then came back able to see. Great story, right? So um, things to remember about the Gospel of John. John comes from a more spiritual understanding um, and is often connected with creation. Um, so this is where the Gospel of John is coming from. We have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and John is very different than the other three. So the other three are called synoptic Gospels. John is very different and comes from a more spiritual understanding. Lots of signs and wonders. Numbers are important. Um, and the Gospel of John begins with a callback to the poem of creation that we read in Genesis. Um, 
So thinking about that and how the Gospel of John ties all these things together, um, some of the question that may pop up or that people would remember in hearing the story is when God created humanity, how did God do that according to the poem? And according to the poem, God took the dust of creation, the dust, and created humanity out of that. You may think or remember on Ash Wednesday, we say, from ashes you came and to ashes you will return. From dust you came and to dust you will return. From stardust you came and to stardust you will return. And so in what Jesus is doing in this story, Jesus created something new when he spit on the ground and put mud on this man's eyes. Now, some have interpreted this passage to say that Jesus created new eyes out of the mud and placed them in to um, create this new, these new sight things, eyeballs. Um, and um, that's one interpretation of it. Um, some is just a healing or a washing away, perhaps um, some of those properties, although I don't think you're supposed to put mud in your eyes. Again, I'm not a medical professional. Um, so uh, but whatever Jesus did in that moment, um, it's not, I think it's, not, it's important not to point out that Jesus heals because he's been doing that. But Jesus creates and Jesus makes something in this. And many of these signs that Jesus does throughout the Gospel of John point to this connection with the God of creation, this I am. I am, I was, I will be. And that's important for a lot of reasons. I think um, we have so many conversations today about creation, how everything came to be. Um, And there's lots of debates and discussion about how it is that we came to be where we are today or how creation came to be. And the truth is this actually isn't a new debate or a new conversation at all. While we have maybe more scientific explanations today, there have been lots of stories throughout, throughout the history of how everything was created. Now, during this um, Jesus time, this first century time, most of the popular creation stories came out of some sort of war or conflict. Most of the time, it was worlds being created out of the carcasses of defeated gods. Kind of gross, I know. Um, but it's some of these ways of talking about creation in ways that came from conflict or destruction. Those were some of the most popular creation stories of the day. But then there's this other poem that we have in the beginning of the Bible called, in the book called Genesis. And this creation poem comes along and talks about creation very differently. It talks about creation being good or very good. Um, And it was a different story about how things were created out of love, not out of destruction, not out of death, but out of love, about Yahweh saying it was good. And so John's gospel starts with, the very beginning of the gospel starts with reminding of this creation in the beginning was the word. And so both with this and with what Jesus has done, there's this callback to love, and this God who creates out of love, not a God who creates or does anything out of destruction or judgment, but a God who creates out of love. I am the light of the world. So our story continues. 
And people, um, after this man comes back being able to see, people didn't quite believe that this was the same man that they knew, the same man that they saw begging day after day. Um, and after some questioning, they found that the man could see again. Um, and they find out how the man could see again. And so the Pharisees call in this man's parents to make sure that this man was really born blind. You know, was he just tricking us the whole time or is this true? Um, and if it truly is their son, how it was that he could see. So ask the parents, you tell us, is this your son? And how did he see and how could he not see? So what the parents did is they acknowledged, yes, this is our child, but they gave no explanation as to who healed their son. Instead, they say, you know, ask him. He's of age. He is, he can handle it. Ask him. And that's in one way um, of not getting involved in the situation because they don't want to be caught up in anything if there's trouble. I mean, they don't want to be blamed or, or held for anything. Um, They've probably, I'm sure that they've heard their son's stories and they could probably share what their son has shared, but instead they take the approach, eh, just ask him for yourself, he'll tell you. Um, I mean, it makes sense on one hand, right? Why would they put themselves in a position of getting in trouble? Um, they didn't do the actual healing themselves and we don't know for sure if they were there or if they weren't. Um, so maybe they just don't want to offend anybody or they don't want to get into trouble. So they pass it along. So the Pharisees then go to the man himself um, and he has no problem telling them what happened. Um, so I think remember that in this, the man was blind. Jesus put mud on his eyes. He went away, washed and could see. So he's actually not seen Jesus before. So he answers honestly, I don't know who healed him, or I don't know who healed me. Um, and then he starts teaching the Pharisees about God. Now, can you imagine the audacity and the boldness? The Pharisees are supposed to be these experts about God, about religion. They're the ones who, who claim to know all of the laws and everything that can possibly be known about God. And this formerly blind man who um, who in some ways they may consider to be a sinner or they're not even sure if he's telling the truth right now and he starts to tell them about God. I think there is a boldness in this man as well. And so the Pharisees tell this man they don't know where Jesus came from and the man says to them, you say that only God can heal and I once was blind and now I see. I've been healed you say only God can heal, I've been healed, and you're asking where this man came from? If there is only one from God can heal, and he healed me, do you see the logic? This is a bold statement, right? Telling the Pharisees, this man who healed me came from God, you're the one who's saying this? And teaching the Pharisees making the statement that Jesus came from God, a statement that was considered to be blasphemous, one that he could probably be put to death for, and he is saying it unabashedly. And then when Jesus encounters this man again, he asks him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now remember, this formerly blind man has never actually seen Jesus, so he doesn't recognize him by sight. But Jesus tells him that he is, he is looking at the Son of Man, and this man worships him. 
This man never physically saw Jesus, and yet he believed. He didn't know how to recognize the one who had healed him, but he believed that Jesus was from God. He made an incredibly bold decision, and when he finally did come face to face with Jesus, he told him that he believed and he worshiped him. It's amazing, right? I mean, Jesus has been peeling away all of these obstacles to faith all throughout his ministry, creating new things right in front of everyone's eyes, literally and figuratively, offering sight, literally and figuratively, taking away all of those obstacles and saying, look, I'm right here. And even if you can't physically see me, you know This is an incredible story, right? Now, it's a miraculous story. Um, It's a miraculous story of healing. And it's using an ordinary element like mud and water. A little bit of dirt, a little bit of spittle, mix them together, create some mud, and then wash it off. I have a friend um, who does float therapy. Maybe this is something that you've heard of. Um, But uh, he goes into this tank that's like filled with salt water, um, very salty salt water. And um, he goes in the tank and he floats in it. Then like the door is closed. So he's in like this sensory deprivation tank for about an hour. Um, It sounds terrible to me. I'll just be quite honest. It sounds awful. And every time he describes how he feels afterwards, I think, why don't I do that? He talks about how just his body feels so weightless and lifted, and he just doesn't have those aches and pains anymore. Um, And he also has had some time for his own mental health and mental well-being to just rest and not be disturbed and just be. It's not mud but it's still ordinary elements, right? Salt and water. And it can just feel miraculous to just feel better. So what are we seeing today? Not just what Jesus was doing then, but what is Jesus still doing today? Can we see? Or do we need new eyes or a new way of seeing? And it's not even just about the physical sight because some people don't have that physical sight and still see more clearly than anyone else. Sometimes what we see can't be seen with the eyes because it's easy to look at the world and be pessimistic, right? You watch the news, it can be so depressing. And you can look at the world and say, well, it's all, it's all doomed forever. And yet it's not. God is still doing some amazing things. And maybe they don't get featured on the local news or on the national news. That doesn't mean they're not happening. And they're things that we've seen and that we've been a part of. You know, How many folks have been fed through the Freeport Area Church Cooperative where we've given food and donations? Or the number of people who have been housed at the Freeport Area Church Cooperative who have found a place to be that's safe and secure 
while they're seeking permanent housing. And the numbers of people who have found permanent housing after staying at the Freeport Era Church Cooperative, those are miracles. People standing up for justice and saying, this is not right, people need to be treated fairly and equitably. That's a miracle. Are we able to see these miracles? Or has our vision been so clouded by the pessimism and the doom of the world that we don't see what God is doing right in front of our eyes? And so maybe we need a little dirt and a little spittle and a little mud to be put on our eyes to be able to see what God is doing right in front of us. Are we able to see the miracles that are happening all around us? Are we able to be a part of what God is already, already doing right here and right now? I am. The God who created, the God who creates, is still creating and calls us to join in that creation. Maybe with a little bit of bread or a little bit of water or a little bit of mud to get a little dirty, to get a little lost in creation, to offer sight to the blind, hope to the weary. And we do this in love, the same love of the God who created the world, the same love of Jesus who offered bread and water and mud and himself through ordinary miracles every day. Thanks be to God. Amen.